up in a town where they were, there's a restaurant there famous for its pies. Bloomer, Wisconsin has the Main Street Cafe. If you've ever been through Bloomer, they always say, save room for the pie. Well, since I've been at Bethany, I've learned that Bethany has a lot of good bakers. And unfortunately, you've been giving it to me. And I don't know what to do with myself, but there is something about pie. Well, pie is really good. Um, there's double crust apple pie and there's single crust and I don't care what crust you have. I like them both. There's the pie that's a little bit runny and the pie that's, I, I think it's all good. Somebody this morning was telling me about, he was a truck driver and he knew where all the butterscotch pies were across our great country. <laughs> and he would make a point to stop at these. And I thought, that's interesting. I don't know if I would stop for butterscotch pie, but I would stop for pie. Well, when I think about pie, the, the, it, there's a lot of good things about pie, but there's a problem with pie is that you've got to tell yourself to, to stop. You've got to tell yourself to not maybe eat all of it all at once. And, uh, well, maybe. <laughs> Spread it out, maybe. And there's a lot of things in life that are like that, where, where it's like little habits and little things. We do things along the way, and we, we get better. And this last week, my, my boys were telling me, hey, we have a pull-up test coming at school. So they want to get good at pull-ups. Well, there's only one way to, does anybody know how to get good at pull-ups? There's only one way I know how to get good at pull-ups. How do you get good at doing pull-ups? You, you do a pull-up, right? So we've been, at our house, we've been doing pull-ups. If you come to our house, you can come and join us. You're welcome. You can do some pull-ups with us. And I thought when I got into this message, I thought we're going to talk about better habits, which is a good thing, and better choices. And as I started getting into what this was, it started going a whole lot, lot deeper than that. And I'm learning some things about it. Even this week, I've been learning some things about what it means to have this life-giving God in my life. And I hope that maybe after this Sunday, you too will desire to be well. Not desire to be well like an illness going away, although that could be part of it. Desire to have our lives realigned with this Jesus, that the Jesus that John knew. Not maybe the one that you're, you grew up learning about, or maybe not the one that you saw on TV one time, or what everybody else is talking about, but the God of the universe that John told us about. I'd like to invite Bjorn just now, and Bjorn's going to read the scripture for us this morning. Why don't you come on up here, Bjorn, and we'll read it. It's John chapter 5, 1 through 18, and come on up here, Bjorn. He's on his way. So we got Bjorn. I think this is on, if you want to put the Bible there, or hold on to it, either way is fine. And if you want to follow along, you can also find this. We have the YouVersion Bible app. You can pull that open. There's an event there this morning. You could follow along there. Go ahead, Bjorn. All right. So John 5. Oh, that's loud. Okay. John 5, 1 through 18. The third sign, healing the sick. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate. In Jerusalem, there was a pool called Bethsaida in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a multitude of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up recovered from whatever ailment he had. 
one man who was there who had been sick for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there. And he knew he had already been there a long time. He said, that, uh, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your bedroll and walk. Instantly the man got well, picked up his bedroll, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. It's illegal for you to pick up your bedroll. He replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your bedroll and walk. Who is this man who told you, Pick up your bedroll and walk? They asked. But the man who was cured did not know who it was, because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple complex and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore, so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing things on the Sabbath. But Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I'm working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even more calling his, he was even more, no, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Thank you very much, Bjorn. Jesus came to give life, to bring life, to give life to all of us. And while this message is starting about apple pie, it's going a lot deeper. John wrote the Gospel of John probably near the end of his life. Most, most people think he was written near the end of his life. And he dictated these words because he realized that the, the understanding in the world of who Jesus was was not the true picture of what people needed to know. I, I think even today we could say the same thing is true. Are people aware of Jesus? Do we know about Christmas? Could you find someone in central Wisconsin that is unaware of Christmas? Maybe. Probably unlikely. Do they have a true picture of the true Jesus that John knew? Do people know the Jesus that John understood that changed lives, that, that could alter a person's course of life to give them a, a way to live that's so much, so much what was designed for? Now, now that, that is missing. In John chapter 5, Jesus cuts right to a man's heart. He asks poignant questions and he says interesting things to get right to the heart of the matter, but it, it really it could cut right to our hearts as well. This message, I'm, I'm going to offer to you three different prayers, three different prayers that we could pray that would put Jesus in the right spot with our hearts. If you have a, an outline this morning, you can fill these in, these prayers, it, and I'm going to encourage you to remember these prayers. We're going to have communion a little bit later. They might be a prayer you might offer in that time later in the service. The first prayer is, Lord, help me to want to get well. Lord, help me to want to get well. There's a verse in verse 5 or 6. Jesus saw him, this man lying there, and you had already been there a long time. Do you remember how long he'd been there? 38 years. And he asked this question Do you want to be healed? 
Is that the most ridiculous question you've heard in your life? But then I started thinking about it. There's, there's a movie I saw, and it's, it's one of my favorite movies. It's not necessarily like Christian. It's definitely not Christian, but there's themes in it that are powerful. It's called Shawshank Redemption. Has anybody seen this movie? Okay, it's an older movie. All right, in this movie, there's a man that is uh, uh, close to freedom, close to being released, and he's nervous. See, in prison, he knew where his bed was. He knew his friends were. His meals were arranged. He knew his routine. He had duties and tasks, but he knew what they were, and they could all get done, and his life was in order. His life had place. Everything could fit. The problem with being released, the problem with freedom is what? Oh, my goodness. All that stuff is thrown out. Everything has to come into a new order, a new place. In the end, tragically in the movie, the man is released. And that's not the tragedy. The tragedy is he couldn't handle what this new freedom meant. And he ends up committing suicide. He asked him, do you want to be well? Because I think he knew and the man knew, they both knew, if this were to happen, what would change? Everything. Everything. This first prayer, do I want to be, help me want to be well, because I think if we get right down to it, that's a powerful question that will change our life. Would we like to have a better relationship with someone in our life? It Maybe, yes, help that to happen. He might say that, well, then you're going to ask, have to ask for forgiveness. What if, what if it would mean, God, help me to be more humble? Well, he might give us more humbling circumstances. To live through. What if he would say, we, we would desire for something to change in our life. He might say, I can do that for you. And the way that I'm, we don't like the pathway to get to where it might go. This is, a, this is a big prayer. This question they ask for the man is a really big question. Do you want to get well? Do we want to be healed? If we are serious about this life with Christ, can, let's just be honest right now. If we're really serious about our relationship with Jesus Christ, and really, do you want Jesus to get into your life and transform it and powerfully move in you? Guess what? I can tell you right now, if you pray this prayer, He will invite change into your life. He's inviting change into my life, and it's a little bit scary sometimes. Because I sort of like how my life is lined up right now. What if I invite Jesus into all of it? What if he changed it? What if he started tinkering with things? I don't like tinkering. Let's leave that alone. But yet, if we would pray this prayer, what would happen to us? Well, the man had an answer for him. And I can so relate to this man's answer. The sick man answered Jesus and said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up while uh, I am going another steps down in before him. My wife would tell you right now, Joe, that's what you do all the time. She'll call. And she'll say, Joe, what time do you think you'll be home for you know, supper tonight? And I'll go, well, i got to make a phone call and then i got to visit with this person. I really got to get this done. She, no, no, no. Let, let's back up. What time... Will you be home for, or, or whatever, whatever the plans are, you know? And 
what was Jesus' question? And I, I, I can just imagine the man's thinking is, this is great, I'll be healed. And then wait, wait a minute. If this happens, oh boy. And I, to me, this is what gets to this question. This is really why Jesus has to start with this question before he goes further. Is, and this gets into the problem of this passage. Jesus walked into this pool area, and just a little bit of background, there's these two pools in Jerusalem, and people apparently were underneath these porches. It, it can get very warm in Jerusalem, so they'd be underneath these porches, these, these coverings, and they could wait for the pool to be stirred up. And once they got in the pool, they'd be healed. Now apparently these pools, they've done some excavation, they believe that there was a, a spring that was underneath these pools. And so when the water would bubble up, you could you know, see the water moving, and oh, the angel stirred it, and then maybe you get healed or something. So they were waiting. All these people were waiting to be healed. Jesus comes in, he walks in, finds this man, he heals him. Does anybody else have a problem with this like, like I do when I read that? There was probably dozens of people around these pools. Why didn't they get healed? Why does this man get healed and no one else? But I think what this question and this answer, this dialogue going on, really gets to Jesus while he, he did heal disease, disease, he healed the blind, he gave hearing to those that were deaf. He, you know, what was he really about, though? Why did Jesus come on earth? If it was about healing people, they could have had an efficient system. They could have just put Jesus at the front of the temple, had the disciples create an organized system, just line them up. What's your condition? Oh, you can't hear. God, God bless you. Be healed. Next one. You're blind? Oh, okay. You don't get along with your mother? All right, let's fix mom. All right, you know, or whatever, you know. Um, um, so what, what needs to happen? If Jesus was about healing people, he failed. He missed dozens of people that day. But what if he was about something? What if he cares about individual people and their individual situations to just go through and heal people without processing what this all meant? That's what was needed. Praise God, he brings healing to this man. Do you want to be well? Your first prayer that you may want to consider when you think about this passage, do you want to be well? And that's a big prayer. If you decide to pray that prayer, that's a, let's, can, can we be honest? It's a big prayer today. And then Jesus slips away. I think, I, not, not, not just think, I know he did this on purpose because he wanted to see what would happen next. The next prayer is, Lord, help me to hear you. At once the man was healed, he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. This man has been paralyzed for 38 years. And now he is healed. And what is the response of the religious, the leaders in that situation. Why are you carrying your mat around? Not, praise God you're healed. Awesome news. You can now walk. This is so great. Somebody's got to find out what happened here. No, what is their answer? You're carrying your mat around. That's breaking the rules. That is not what should be happening around here. And at that point in time, that man had to make a decision. What am I going to listen to? 
what am I going, am I going to let what these negative people are saying about my situation, is that going to dictate, this guy's life was just dramatically changed by the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, and now he's got to decide, will I go back and do, I, I have to live with all these people, that all they care about is their rules. Lord, help me to hear you. And I, I would say that same problem that he faced is similar to us. We have to decide what we will listen to. So, imagine in this room, we all started talking. It's very full, but if you knew someone very well in this room and you heard them laugh over on the clear on the other side of the room, I would imagine most of you would be able to pick out that voice and hear it. I know I've been in crowded rooms and my children or my wife or someone I really care about is in the room and I'm listening. if I listen for that voice, I can hear them across the room. In this crowded world with all the noise that's happening, I believe that we can hear from God. There are voices that are trying to drown out what he is trying to say. There are times when it seems like he has walked away. He's walked away across the room, but he's walked away from us. But I believe he is still present and speaking to us. I believe that there are doubts and fears like this man may have had. Oh my goodness, what if God would stop talking to me today? I believe those concerns are still present. Let's be clear though. I believe that God gave us his word to show us how how to live. I believe he's given us people in this life to show us what matters most. And most importantly, I believe he's given us his Holy Spirit to take on what we might face. We have one final prayer that we might do. So we we want to, what do we want to do? We want to first, do we want to be well? Let's first pray that prayer. Give us that desire to be well. Let us hear him. Lord, help me to hear you. Finally, though, help me see things as you do. Afterward, Jesus found this man in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. This man has been a paraplegic for 38 years. Sin no more? What is, he wasn't sinning. He wasn't doing anything. The man was laying on a, on a concrete something for 38 years. What is going on with that? What was in Jesus' mind? And the only thing I could, I could think, why would he say that? Why would Jesus, who knows the hearts of people, why would he know all these things? Why would he say, stop sinning? The thing that he would say to that man, he would say to me, he would say to Joe Carlson, he would say to anyone in this room, who are we listening to? Who do we most care about? Who is the king and guide of our life. Because if he isn't, someone else is. So who's in charge of our lives? Who is really dictating? Who's calling the shots with what goes on in our lives? Stop sinning. He's, I think he's basically saying, you could let religious leaders be in charge of your life. You could let your own thoughts be in charge of your life. Will you let me be in charge of your life? And then he says, nothing worse may happen to you. Okay, can, okay let's think about this. 38 years. Okay, in that culture, in that time, we are not handicap accessible in our day and age. Yes, you can get into a building like this, but think about how many places you cannot go if you're paralyzed. Imagine back 
In Jesus' day, 36 inches wide doorways. Who's, <laughs> yeah, right. That's not happening. All right, bathrooms. Can you imagine what it must have been, cha- how, what a challenge this might have been? All those things to take care of himself. But what's worse than that? Jesus saw things from a different perspective, didn't he? He could see 38 years, and that's important. He would care about that. But what would he care about even more than? He cares about for eternity. Something far worse could happen to a person in that. There's a quote I found in Getting Ready for This. It's written by George MacDonald. He helped write a commentary on this book. He, he said once, Jesus did instantly what God the Father is doing all the time. Jesus did instantly what God the Father is doing all the time. Our Father in heaven is working things for his good, for our good, for the world's good to accomplish, and it will happen. It will be so. But every once in a while, he opens up a window through Jesus, and I think I've seen it in my life, and you may have seen it in yours, where Jesus just turns a light bulb on, we read something, we hear something, and it's like, oh my goodness, that's what it means. I get it now. That's what it's about. And that, I believe, is what happened to this man in this story. He became clear for the first time in his life, oh, it's about Jesus. It's not about all these other things. Perhaps God is moving right now, but maybe at a pace a little different than we would like. What if we could see things from his perspective? What if we could see, not in our time lapse, but in his, what we could be about. Maybe we could ask this prayer and say, Lord, help me see in the ones in this world the, what you care about and what you're doing. And then we could trust in you to complete them. So would you like to get well? Truly, truly, I say to you, John, this is John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Jesus came to give life in our present circumstances. Think about, think about what, who do you think Jesus was to the Apostle John, the guy that wrote this? What would happen in our personal life if the Jesus that John knew became our Jesus? the way he knew them, the way he lived that out. That what would happen in our families? Let's say that we really truly, like we're going to be humble like him and we understood what Jesus was doing. Jesus was doing these things and our families rotated around instead of what we thought was best, what Jesus thought was best. It would transform everything. Our schools, our communities. Maybe if we prayed these prayers, our situations would be transformed like no other way that we might think of. When I think about the gospel and what it came to do, Jesus, when he came, he knew the present circumstances. He knew the issues that people were facing. And I believe that on purpose, on purpose, he did what he did. It was no unintentionality. He, on purpose, intentionally engineered and did things so that his work and his will could be completed. And I also believe that sometimes God puts us in circumstances that are impossible. I, I said that impossible because he knows that unless, he, unless we get to the point where we trust in him no more than anything else in this world, 
There is no answer. That his person in the Holy Spirit might be the only way that we can navigate through this life. I wish for all of, I wish this for my children, I wish this for my family, I wish this for my church, I wish this for my community, I wish this, I wish everyone could understand it's what Jesus is seeing is more important than any of these. This came to life to me so in a powerful way this week. I, I was riding in my car on Wednesday morning and I'm on a couple of crisis teams for area schools and different things like this and someone called me and told me about a young person that died this week. I had it on speakerphone because I'm driving and my 11-year-old is sitting next to me in the car. And they were telling me about how a 12-year-old had committed suicide this week. Okay, I didn't realize that was coming. I turned off the speakerphone because I'm like, okay, what is going on here with this? And they started telling me the details and so I, okay, what do you do about that? That's awful. That's just terrible. That's just terrible. That's awful. There's nothing good about that. There's nothing good about that. And as details started coming out, I started learning more about the situation. It turned out, I had coached this kid in a, my son's baseball team, not this summer, but the summer before. I'm like, oh my goodness. That's, and he's a smart kid. Smart situation. What is going on? And it's at this whole week, I'm like, what was going on there? What was happening? And, and there's, there's more details, and we could talk about those, I suppose. But really, what, what does it get down to? I'm sure that young man felt his life was impossible. He was in, thrown into an impossible situation where there was no situation and no way out. And he is not unique, is he? Is he unique in his situation? I don't think so. We've all felt that, haven't we? Where we sense, God, I am in a spot where no, there are no easy answers for it. Lord, can you speak to me in my life? He would love nothing more than to be the God of our life in our, this situation now. For the future, for what ails us, but for what's ahead, for all those things. He's inviting us to have that kind of relationship with him. So we... So we started about pie. We talked about pie, and I think God does care about pie, and he cares about things like that. But what does he really care about? What did he come to do? He came to care about the hearts and lives. And there's nothing he would want more than that, than to, to say, do you want to be well? Because I want to be right there with you. When you are ready to be well, I'm right there with you. I want to walk through with what it is. We're going to take some time. We're going to uh, sing... Um, we're going to sing a couple of songs just now. And then we're in, we are going to go into communion. It might be, this might be one of those days where you, during communion time, you're, you might be thinking about different things, but you might need to pray through some of these prayers that you heard this morning in your own way. Your own, you just talk to God about it. So I'm invite, I'd like to invite the worship team up just now. I'm going to just maybe, I, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would speak into us this, in this closing part of our service. Dear Lord, I, I lift up this morning before you. I pray that this man's life would become, become more clear to us. What does this exactly mean? When Jesus was saying, do you want to be well? I would pray we would know what that means for us. We put this morning in your hands. I pray that you would speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.